Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whippeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group. And we have with us as always, Jeff Powell. Jeff, good morning to you. Good morning. So Jeff, uh, a lot of interesting news to talk about. It's one of those things that's really been building up over the last 18 months. Um, and that is the, uh, the stopping or elimination of some of the uh, stimulus that we've used to pull through this pandemic. So if you don't mind, can you give us an overview of what's really changed here in the last week with regard to uh, some of the federal programs that were enacted? Yeah, kind of a, an ironic uh, week to uh, just be celebrating Labor Day and to have uh, four different federal unemployment benefits ending um, literally uh, the weekend that it was going on. A little bit of it ended uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, a number of states, 26 states, had already uh, ended some of the enhancement unemployment benefits before this. But uh, as a, a federal uh, level, we, we had four different uh, benefits that ended. The federal pandemic unemployment compensation, the pandemic emergency unemployment compensation, the mixed earners unemployment compensation, and last but not least, not to be forgotten, the pandemic unemployment assistance. So these were all different uh, programs. Uh, if you remember, the federal pandemic unemployment compensation was uh, providing an additional $300 a week supplemental unemployment benefits. Uh, so if, if both people in the, in the household were unemployed, it was up to $600 a, a week for them. Um, and, um, you know, there was also one that was, uh, you know, the pandemic emerge, uh, emergency unemployment compensation extended relief to those that had already uh, gone the full 26 weeks of what typical unemployment is. Um, and then we had mixed earners. And what that means is somebody who basically was an independent contractor and an employee uh, so they were kind of uh, had a, a, a gig uh, job on the side. And then the uh, pandemic unemployment basically expanded uh, the criteria allowing people uh, to be eligible. Uh, and those were mostly self-employed individuals and freelancers that were allowed uh, to benefit from unemployment, where typically if you're obviously a freelancer and there's no work, you're out of luck. This allowed for them to be able to, to get um, compensated uh, and uh, and get unemployment benefits. So all four of those uh, just ended. Got it. And Jeff, when we look at those four different programs, I mean, how many people within the U.S. are we talking about? Uh, research says that it's approximately 7.5 million people uh, that are going off of uh, off of benefits. So it's, it's certainly uh, a, a large number. Um, we have certainly seen um, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it, to be quite honest uh, with you, Jeremy, because, I mean, we've got uh, people that uh, certainly have been a little bit disenfranchised to go back to work uh, because they were earning more money uh, being unemployed than they were uh, being in the workforce. And obviously, there's lots of different research. That, that one's a, a kind of a hard number to get your finger on the pulse of. But I've seen numbers ranging anywhere from 25 to 40, and in some cases, even as high as 75% of those people that were unemployed were making more money uh, while they were unemployed. You throw into the mix things like childcare. Um, you know, if you have to put your child into childcare in order to then go to work, uh, it's, it's a dramatic difference in what they would be able to make, uh, what they were able to save, uh, versus if they do go back to work, uh, the impact that might come as a result of that. So uh, this is definitely going to, uh, to push people 
uh, back into the uh, uh, into the workforce. So, and that's really interesting, Jeff, because I know some of the criticisms that small business have had is that they're not able to fill a lot of the positions that they have open, and it's believed that this may be part of the reason. Uh, I guess curious what your thoughts are. Or if you have any research that would suggest that this might start alleviating some of the uh, the lack of uh, positions that have been filled for the last six months to a year. Yeah, I mean, we've got unemployment right now that's sitting at 5.2%. Uh, the 5.2%, if you're looking out at uh, unemployment, this has been obviously uh, dramatically coming down over time. Uh, we had unemployment rates uh, that were up in the 14% range, which is pretty staggering to think about where we were and where things are going right now. So we've seen some some pretty substantial uh, movements within uh, unemployment and uh, and what's been going on there. Uh, the thing that's really amazing when you look at it is the number of job openings. Right now, we are at record highs for U.S. job vacancies. So finding a job is not going to be the issue. Uh, finding the job, is, there's plenty of work out there to be found. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, what kind of work do you want to go back to? Uh, some of these jobs are certainly low-paying jobs. I mean, they are uh, minimum wage or, or above, but we are seeing a pretty interesting thing going on right now, which is that because we've had people kind of sitting on the sidelines saying that they were unwilling or unable to go back to work, we've seen wage increase. Uh, so wage growth, uh, which historically is around 4%, uh, we're seeing it actually closer to 5 The last stat that I have is about 4.6%. Uh, but rising quickly. Uh, it has been over 5% during different times during the pandemic as people started going back to work. Um, and I think that you'll continue to see a little bit more of this demand, although with uh, 7.5 million uh, people trying to find jobs at the same time, there may be a short-term uh, anomaly that goes on by having kind of a flood of people looking for work uh, with uh, the uh, job vacancies the way that they are. But again, to entice people out of uh, unemployment and into the workforce, I think that you're gonna to continue to see a wage increase, which is obviously uh, an inflationary pressure, um, but you're also gonna see uh, unemployment rates uh, start to plummet even more, uh, maybe not down to pa uh, pre-pandemic levels, which were under 4%, but uh, there's a very strong possibility you might. Yeah, and uh, one other piece to this uh, puzzle, Jeff, is the moratorium on rent, uh, rents, where that uh, recently expired. Is that expected to also have some impact here? Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, if you've got to pay for your rent, you've got to have a way to pay for your rent. If uh, the benefits uh, th that you were using to pay your rent go away and you are at risk of losing uh, the roof over your head, you have a whole lot a higher incentive. Uh, to go out and find yourself a job than you would have otherwise. So uh, when we are looking at these kind of statistics, it is, again, a big number there. Now, one thing to kind of keep in mind with all of this, and it's a, a thing that I think has um, a lot of people aren't really uh, talking about much, which is Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, um, one of the things that he has said point blank that he is looking at is unemployment rates uh, to what he's dealing with with uh, uh, tapering. And so, again, we've talked about tapering before, but basically what we're doing right now is buying $120 billion a month, uh, split $80 billion in treasuries, $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities every month. Um, if we start to see unemployment drop dramatically, uh, I think you start to see the Fed make a move 
uh, with beginning uh, the tapering process uh, in 2021, where a lot of people are predicting this is a 2022 anomaly. So again, just a reminder on tapering, it just means that they're gonna stop buying as much. Uh, and over a period of time, they will eliminate it. But typically that takes 12 months-ish uh, for them to do that. Uh, the other tie-in to that is that there's no way in the world that the Federal Reserve is going to start raising rates until they're done tapering. You don't sit there and raise rates as you're buying bonds. They basically have, I mean, have, are contradictory in, in what you're trying to accomplish with these. So when you're out buying bonds, you're creating additional demand. And through that additional demand, you see prices go up and yields go down. It's a way for them to force yields to 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 drop in a market. And the, the importance of that is it makes borrowing much cheaper. If you can borrow cheaper, you have uh, more elasticity to your own personal income or as a corporation uh, to have higher margins or uh, to redeploy the, the, the benefit of that into things like research and development or uh, hiring more employees or anything else uh, under, you know, to your imagination there, so to speak. But um, by starting to taper, you will see demand diminishing. And again, less demand. So again, we've used the water bottle example a thousand times, but if there's a hundred people at the table and there's a hundred bottles of water, then you've got as much demand as there is supply. If you've got 200 people at the table or maybe even a uh, hundred people, but then one wants to buy 20 bottles of water, well, there's now higher demand and you're gonna push the price of those bottles of water up. That's the government. So basically, you've got the normal amount of people that would typically go out and buy bonds, and then the government steps in and, and wants to buy more. So it's going to push the price up and yields down. If the government steps away from the table uh, and there's less buyers uh, and less uh, stimulus, so to speak, less uh, pressure on pricing, that, that pricing is going to come down. And again, if you remember, we're talking about an inverted relationship between bond yields and bond prices. So as we see bond prices drop, you're going to see uh, the yield start to creep up. And so that's uh, in and of itself it will cut into uh, the growth pattern that we're seeing from an economic standpoint. So the Federal Reserve will, will move slowly on this. Um, uh, but from there, uh, what they will do is, is look to, to go ahead from there and um, eventually start raising rates. But it's going to take them, they're going to be cautious about their tapering process. You can't just sit there and, and cut all the the purchasing at once because that would be uh, pretty extreme and, and, the, and the markets would react accordingly. So we're really looking out and, and uh, trying to get our understanding of what's going on from that kind of perspective. Yeah, Jeff, thank you for, for walking through that. And it's it's been really interesting seeing the dance that the Fed and the government have, uh, I guess, done over the last 18 months where we literally went from one of the highest unemployment rates that we've ever had uh, north of 14% now sitting at five and a half percent. And we're seeing that our unemployment benefits because of how juiced up they were, uh, may be standing in the way of bringing that number even lower. One of the questions that I will sometimes get is, why does the Fed see the need to taper now? Why not let the economy continue to run hot? Uh, for some people, this is the biggest growth that they've ever seen on an annualized basis in the, uh, in the US economy as measured by GDP growth. Why not let that run for a few years since a lot of people are really benefiting? What is the government, what is the Fed trying to prevent? 
Well, at the end of the day, you're looking at inflation. Uh, so if the, if the Federal Reserve doesn't step in and do something, um, the, our economy is kind of like Goldilocks. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. You want it kind of halfway in between. Uh, if you have a, a economy that's running too hot, uh, what ends up happening in those circumstances is you'll have uh, a higher expense to everything. And so it kind of defeats the purpose of having the growth uh, that you're seeing if you have to pay more money for the exact same good. So there's kind of a double-edged sword to all this. It's not just something as simple as saying, hey, let's let the economy grow and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, quite the contrary. Uh, we want to make sure that we're in a position uh, that we understand uh, what the impact is. So again, you keep on buying things, you keep on flooding the market with cash. Eventually, your dollar goes down in value, which makes the the average product more expensive. So that's really kind of the uh, the kind of bottom line behind it. Now, thankfully, uh, with what's gone on within COVID, is everybody's kind of done it. So everybody's sitting there throwing money at the situation. Uh, so it, it is an impact where, you know, if, if you are printing money and I'm printing money and we're printing money at about the same uh, same level on a regular basis, then we're in a situation where you're depreciating your currency just as fast as I am and we don't lose uh, value to other currencies. So if I'm buying goods from you and you're buying goods from me, it kind of works itself out. Uh, but if the U.S. continues to do it and everybody else stops, uh, then the dollar it becomes uh, less valuable and it will cost us more to buy uh, the same product. So we really have to be very cautious of uh, what we're doing with regard to economic stimulus. Got it. So to kind of go with the uh, the water bottle analogy, so we have, it sounds like we have two issues going on. One, we have some supply constraints. So if, if we start with 100 water bottles, 100 people, right, our 100 water bottles may only be 90 or 80. And on top of that, because of all of the stimulus, instead of 100 people, we might have, say, 120, 140. So both sides are kind of pushing up the uh, the pricing pressures, which is leading to the inflation that we've seen over the last year, which, uh, once again, probably some of the highest inflation a lot of people have seen in their lifetime. You have to go back uh, pretty far into history to get similar types of increases over such a short period of time. And so as the Fed and the government continue to look at this, um, I guess, what are some of the data points that you're going to be watching to see, first of all, how effective uh, people are in getting new jobs and if they're able to keep the inflationary pressures at bay? Well, I mean, not to state the obvious here, but I mean, first and foremost, you just look for uh, uh, the weekly job jobless claims and see what's going on with regard to people getting back to work. That's going to be uh, number one. Number two is going to be looking at wage increase. So again, that's a weekly number. Um, again, uh, looking at the uh, the July numbers, 5.4% unemployment, um, and the you know the increase in wages in the high 4% range. So we're going to be watching both of those numbers. Uh, number one, um, some of what they consider to be transitory inflation. Um, should perhaps uh, subside as a direct result of this. And so really, again, uh, certain things that are, are placing a pressure on our uh, current circumstances, people not working. So you're running into supply chain issues, you're running into uh, not having enough people working uh, at specific places. I mean, go into any store today and uh, you'll, you'll notice that the service level has dropped uh, tremendously because there's not enough people. Uh, go to a restaurant and again most of the time they're understaffed 
because there's just not enough people that are, are working in them uh, for the amount of, of positions that are available. So as we start to see this, uh, you'll see numbers start to rise. Uh, I've mentioned in previous pieces, things like um, poultry and, and beef prices have skyrocketed uh, as a direct result of uh, not having people out in the workforce. So yeah, this we're, we're dealing with um, some kind of scary stuff. I mean, we began this year with very low inflation numbers and they spiked. And they spiked because of cars. They spiked, and again, the, the, the domino effect there, uh, we're having a supply chain issue with regard to chip manufacturing. Uh, companies like Ford have shut down uh, production of the Ford F-150, which is the number one selling car in the United States, because they haven't been able to get the chips in order to put in the car. So if you're looking for a pickup truck, what are you gonna do? If you can't find a brand new one, you're gonna go out and buy a used one. And those used car prices pushed those numbers up. So as supply chain issues start to resolve themselves with having people back working, we will run into less and less of an issue. Now, that's just assuming, however, that we have a open economy and we're not running into any issues with a worldwide pandemic. And that, uh, so the, the, to me, the, the big variable out of this whole thing is COVID rates. So again, a number that I'll be looking at is you know, COVID rates and uh, the impact that, that potentially has. Uh, we've talked about this as a individual company uh, and you've been part of those conversations, but our audience hasn't heard this, which is basically saying, well, what happens if your kid is exposed to COVID? You know, they're gonna be quarantined and it means that at least one person in your family is gonna be working from home, even if they were not supposed to be working from home, they're gonna be working from home. Uh, so all of a sudden now you're looking at uh, perhaps a change in productivity. You know, if, it's one thing if you are in a service industry, like you are, Jeremy, where you can work from home, but pretty hard to, to manufacture a, uh, a Ford F-150 or to help pack meat uh, from your home. So these types of things can and, and probably will have an impact uh, on us at times. And it's something that we're also obviously going to be looking at. And then the last thing that, that uh, is a straightforward and obvious is just the CPI. Uh, CPI standing for Consumer Price uh, Index. It's an inflation rate that we're looking at. Um, and so we have seen that spike uh, to your exact point. We haven't seen it at these levels. Uh, really, I mean, you've got to go back uh, having it for, for any kind of substantial time period. You got to go back to the 70s in order to see these levels. Uh, and I, I think many of our audience will have remembered uh, going through and trying to get a mortgage in the 70s or whatever else. And they're talking about not only double digits, but high double digit numbers in order to do that. Now, we're not at those levels. Uh, we are sitting at a 5.4% uh, level at this point where we came up from basically one, one and a half earlier this year. So again, very quick uh, move up. Um, but again, some of the biggest things that were causing those have subsided some. So the hope out of it is that we get our arms around this, that this is transitory, not a permanent thing, but I think the jury is still out on this. Uh, and if we start to see this sort of subside, then the Federal Reserve will be less apt to uh, have to take action to try to combat inflation, uh, which would mean moving to eliminate you know, the bond purchases and to uh, start raising rates almost immediately in order to offset uh, what's going on here. So uh, they would have to take much more drastic steps 
if we were to see a continuation of high levels of CPI or even accelerating CPI. Thank you, Jeff, for walking through that, and that makes a lot of sense. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the next uh, couple of months so, uh, show now that we've got a major, I guess, paradigm shift in the way that the uh, government's responding to this pandemic. As always, really appreciate your time and expertise. Any last thoughts to uh, leave with us before we wrap up today? No, I mean, uh, obviously, the, the biggest thing here is uh, Happy Labor Day. Um, I uh, feel a little bit sorry for those that are, are losing their benefit, but uh, in the long run, uh, losing these unemployment benefits are going to be kind of pushing people out into the pool that uh, were unwilling to swim before. Uh, and the impact should be a benefit to everyone over the long term. So as much as it might sound sad or bad from a headline level of 7.5 million people losing a benefit, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, available work for them uh, out there to be able to take advantage of. So hope is that they get out there, uh, they are uh, productive, and uh, we see a continued strong long-term growth pattern within our economy that's controlled with regard to inflation. All right, perfect, Jeff. Well, thank you again. And uh, as always, appreciate the, the thoughts and insights that you bring into this conversation. My pleasure. And to all of our listeners, thank you again for your time. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.